This is Ryan Bell, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. Come to think of it, does anyone listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Alright, welcome to the show. This 120th edition of your favorite I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Accompanied by my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. That's me. Kind of new, kind of different. I, I spun it a different way there. You like yeah, that? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, I like it. It's just you didn't really do it different. It you was, just you said accompanied. Wow. By. Listen, that's as much creativity as I'm able to muster. So I don't know why you have to shit on my... <laughs> what level what of creativity that? that I have. What was that? Shit on. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's like a Japanese word. Yeah. It sounds like one <laughs> word. You need a space between those two words. Well, it's like goddamn. I say it a little differently. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Or goddamn. <laughs> You're like a wizard or it's something. It's like What's Shazam. Happening? Yeah. It's like a superhero from the 50s. Yeah. It's very weird. <laughs> weird. Anyway, May 3rd, 2015. That is our day. Happy Monday. If you happen to listen to us as soon as we release, I hope everyone does. Which, why wouldn't you? I don't know why they wouldn't. Maybe it's disloyalty <laughs> or or bitterness and anger toward us. Yeah. Maybe it's that. Yeah. I don't know, though. Listen, before we start the show, I want to do a little begging. And I don't mean for Amazon, although if you do want to go to Amazon, there's links on I dot it with Dollamore or <laughs> there's links on Dollamore.com. Mm-hmm. Got a little out of hand there. What I want to beg the audience about is rating and reviewing and then also... Sending in their promos for the show. We heard at the top of the show, Ryan Bell admonished the audience that no one really listens to the show. He for sure doesn't listen to the show. Yeah. And I want to put a call out to the audience once again to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever they listen to the show. It's very important for getting the show out there. There's a new and noteworthy category that iTunes does. And then there's also... Britney's computer making lots of noise, and that's good too. But then there's also Ooh, I didn't do it. There's also a what's hot category. And listen, if we want to be anything, we want to be what's hot. No? Yeah, yeah, we do. Are you too distracted from your computer making noise to listen to what the show is happening? <laughs> like right now? No. Okay. I, quit trying to make me look so bad. So anyway, go rate and review the show. Give us an honest, honest review. I don't want a bunch of... I mean, I want a bunch of five stars. Don't get me wrong. But I want honest reviews. And we, we obviously take critique and criticism very well on the show, as evidenced by my giving credence and time for dissenting opinions and dissenting arguments. That's all about moving the conversation forward. And that should be well represented within the reviews as well. The other thing is the promos. Like I said, you heard Ryan Bell at the top of the show. We're still accepting. In fact, I'm running low right now on new promos for the show. You don't have to be wildly creative. All you have to say is, this is so-and-so from what-to-what place, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. That's all you have to do. Either call in 657-464-7609 or send me a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. That's all you have to do. And I would be it. 
eternally grateful for your effort. And if you want to get creative, get creative, but it's not necessary. We will definitely appreciate all the submissions. In other news, Brittany Page, I got my hair cut. <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I was going to say, it looks good. Very shorn on the sides. Ever since I got out of the United States Marine Corps... Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> I don't know that they knew that. I just wanted to say it. Yes. Yeah. So ever since I've gotten out of the Marine Corps, I've kind of enjoyed much, much shorter hair on the sides. And I'm not going to get into a thing about my haircut, but what happened to me after I got my haircut was I was walking through, shocker, a grocery store, since that seems to be where I spend half my time. You know, we haven't talked about experiences at the grocery store for a while. I've tried to avoid it because it seems like we're like fucking weirdo grocery store stalkers or something. Yeah. But I was walking through a grocery store and I had an encounter with a gentleman and he swore Uh-oh. he knew me. Yeah, he swore he knew who I was. Hmm. And I, he didn't. I, I, I don't know. Some guy he must have looked like. But it reminded me of a time mm-hmm. that I was mistaken for a celebrity. Ooh. And it's the only time it's ever happened. Okay. Because I have a distinctly goofy look about me. I don't, I don't look like other people. Uh, just because you're a ginger or why are you saying that? I don't know. Okay. I think it's my... I don't know. Okay, my, it kind of goes to when you do those face recognition things like on Facebook, like the Facebook apps. Oh, that's right. Well, that's one reason. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. When those were taking place on like on MySpace, mm-hmm. when it was used, and even since they've done them on, on Facebook, like who's your celebrity lookalike? I always get like Bill Cosby. No, no, we don't answer that. <laughs> and luckily we have that loaded because we're going to talk about Bill Cosby later. But... Uh, usually it's Bill Cosby or Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. One time I got Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I have a little wider set nose yeah, or or what, but I don't mind Charles Barkley. And to be honest, I don't really even mind Whoopi Goldberg, but I in no way want to be associated with... No, no, we don't answer that. ...with Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. So yeah, we're going far afield here. So anyway... It reminds me of a time I went out, I was meeting a guy for lunch. This is when I lived in Northern Virginia and he was the general manager of a car dealership. So I'm walking on the lot going in and a young salesman was very, very attentive, overly attentive to me. And I said, I'm just meeting Matthew. We're just going to have lunch. And he left. And when my buddy came out to meet me, he was laughing a lot and I inquired, what's going on? What's up? He goes, you know, the kid that was out here yeah. tripping all over himself to help you, he thinks you're Brett Favre. Oh, wow. And for those international listeners or for those non-sports fans, Brett Favre is uh, a soon-to-be Hall of Fame quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He's also in, like, Levi commercials, isn't he? Wrangler. Oh, okay. Wrangler. Wrangler, Wrangler commercials. Mm-hmm. He's in jean commercials of which no one wears. So it was interesting to me. Well, one, I... I'm a little bigger guy. I'm way bigger than Brett Favre. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even close, but I had a little scruff on my face. I guess I could see it, but it's the only time I've ever been mistaken for a celebrity. Yeah. It, I, I don't. And that's not a bad celebrity to be mistaken for. No. I mean, I mean he didn't come out and think, oh, hey, it's Whoopi Goldberg. I'm going <laughs> to sell her a car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't, I mean, from what I remember of what he looks like, I could, I can kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is he, he's kind of a ginger, right? Like a lighter bit. hair, yeah, light yeah. skin. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of, I could see it, I guess. So that's it. That It reminded me of that. It's funny. I have a, or I had a professor in my freshman year of college, a psychology professor, human sexuality psychology. And, and a, a male? Yes, huh. he was a male. And he, like when he was introducing himself on the first day, he was talking about what he likes to do and all that stuff. And he said that Brett Favre was his only pass from his wife. From his female wife. Yeah. He was straight? Yes, but he just said he's in love with Brett Favre, that he admires him. So much so that he'll take the high hard one from him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, we didn't discuss the logistics of how it would go down, but... It kind of fits because every human sexuality professor I've ever come in contact with was kind of a weirdo. Um... Of course, Brittany Page is not going to agree. (laughs) I, I, I was getting ready to click... To, to, to fire off the, the disclaimer for you. Okay, well, the two that I have had were unique. <laughs> unique in Brittany Page speak is fucking weirdo. And then I know someone who has taught it that is a... It's like saying, oh, no, that's interesting. That means fucking weirdo. <laughs> and then, well, I know someone that has taught it before and, and they're fine. They're They're normal. They're fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they're normal. Take them, leave them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're unique like the others. Or interesting. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave that up there. We'll leave that there. We'll leave that there. <laughs> so related to kind of related to this last episode, we talked about bathroom behaviors. That's not necessarily sexual sexuality, but it has to do with the genitalia. Brittany, mm. I'm getting a little scientific yeah, here with my, my, my terms, the genitalia, <laughs> male genitalia specifically. And I talked about how I'm not necessarily afraid or phobic to go to the bathroom. Right. You just have certain... Um, it's not even an every time ritual. It's something that may have happened a couple times in the past. God I damn love it. how I start I talking about it. So, I don't know why you think it's so funny <laughs> that, I, that some people, me included, have to kind of psych themselves up. To go to the bathroom in front of other people. Well, we re- we received a voicemail <laughs> on the topic. Brittany, shut up. We received a voicemail on the topic, and here it is. Hey, Jess and Britt. Todd from Washington. Hey, I was just on my way to work, and I was listening to, uh, to Jesse talking about holding his cock and not being able to, uh, to talk. And and when I go to the bathroom in a public place, I, I have kind of the... I'm not afraid either, so I mean... I walk in and I take a piss, but there's been several times where somebody will be standing there and I don't know, for whatever reason, I'll talk to them. And I, I never have any qualms about holding my dick and talking with another person. But but I do think that it's, it's funny because he was talking about having a hard time taking a piss. And I think as we get older as men, right, I mean, I think that's a common health, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it's something that we all deal with. I don't have a problem pissing in front of another guy, none of that. But occasionally when I do get up to the bathroom, I have to freaking close my eyes and I do, I sit there and I just go, okay, pee, 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 pee. And I, I just fucking, I have to focus. And it's not because I'm embarrassed. Like I said, I'll talk to somebody with my dick in my hand. I don't mind. I think it's just something that we deal with as men as we get older. It's hard to take a piss. Take care, guys. Love the show. Later. <laughs> well, here's the deal. There's a couple things I want to address here. One is I know Todd. In <laughs> in real life, I know Todd. Todd is one of my very best friends. 
I went to high school with the the the, the Todd that you just heard. Todd is maybe the mo- one of the most genuine, loving human beings on the planet who happens to have a filthy fucking mouth. <laughs> so when Todd talks about having me having my cock in my hands. Right. Not necessarily the words you use. Yeah, that is. Well, one, <laughs> it's certainly not the words I use. But two, that's just Todd. <laughs> Todd's the kind of guy that you're sitting in a restaurant with. And you're having to, your eyes dart back and forth because he talks like that all the time. It's not a, it's not a deal for Todd. I admire his lack of inhibition. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't possess it. Yes. As in, uninhibited as I am, I don't possess Todd level inhibitions. Yes. The other thing is, and I want to, <laughs> the way I understand it, Todd. Uh, this is, I guess, this message is going out specifically to Todd and anybody else who's interested. The way I understand it, the reason as you get older, and I haven't, I don't have these problems yet, although I'm only a couple years younger than you, um, the reason that happens as we get older is because the prostate gland doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And the urethra, this this goes to the fact that intelligent design is stupid. Is A perfect creator of the universe didn't do a perfect job creating us. If indeed a creator created us, because the urethra runs through the prostate, which makes urinating very difficult in older age. That's the problem with men having to piss holding their cocks. <laughs> Look who sounds like a human sexuality professor now. Oh, really? I'm yeah. a weirdo. Ha ha ha. So, anyway, thank you for the voicemail, Todd. And it's nice to know that now the world knows. P, 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 P. <laughs> well, I also thought... I, does it coax it out? I mean, what, what, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I guess it's a good motivating chant. <laughs> um, I also thought it was interesting, though, that he said he just strikes up conversation with people at the urinal. It doesn't surprise me. That I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That's... I mean, I just feel like... If I was a guy, I would think that was very strange. Uh, there have been, listen. I don't know, though. I've Todd, never had that experience. Todd is the kind of guy, and I don't want to go into very much detail about Todd, but Todd Todd's a, Todd has had a terrible back issues. He has had a manly job for most of his life, a physically torturous, you know, a man's job. And his back is very screwed up. He's had multiple surgeries on it where they go through the front to get to the back. I mean, terrible, terrible surgeries. And there was a time where I was in town, in his hometown, in his the where he lives, and he was just out of surgery, all jacked up on pain pills, and I showed up to keep him company because he was alone. And I walk up, knock on his front door, takes a while for him to get up and, you know, gimp over to the door and open the door, and he opens the door, t-shirt on. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> just a t-shirt, Brittany Page. Uh-oh. And he's... Walking around, you know. Was he just like, hi, Jess, come on in. Wiener dangling, just (laughs) hobbling around. It was, I mean, we had a good conversation. Yeah. And it was hard to, you know, so that just illustrates he doesn't have a hard time talking to, striking up a conversation with a stranger at the urinal bank because Todd's the kind of guy that doesn't mind, you know. Answering the front door with no pants on. Just I'm sure he looked through the peephole or whatever. He knew it was me, but still, he's he's wandering around, right? Hobbling, gimpily, 
Is that a word? Gimply? Yeah, that sounds right. While clad in solely a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting, Brittany Page, an interesting character. <laughs> Whom I love and have deep, deep reverence for. So, moving on from the genitalia talk. Last week we covered rather in-depth, I wouldn't say fully, fully in-depth, but rather in-depth we talked about the fiasco and the goings-on in Baltimore, Maryland relative to the arrest and subsequent killing of Freddie Gray. I actually thought we would receive a lot more feedback about what we talked about, but in the subsequent days we only received one voicemail. Maybe everyone just agrees with you. I don't know based on this voicemail that everyone agrees, but here it is. This is the feedback that we received relative to my analysis of the Baltimore situation. Jesse, Brittany, how's it going? This is Jeremy. Going good. Uh, I hate to do plugs. Uh, the Eureka podcast That's probably how Jesse would recognize me. Just listening to your latest episode, and I wanted to call in. Regarding Baltimore, okay, I think something that nobody's talking about on this is the fact that, yes, rioting is bad. It is illegal. The people who are rioting are criminals. You're right. Everybody who says that is right. However, some people look at crime as a risk versus reward factor. Yes, I'm going to get in trouble. Yes, I'm committing a crime. Is it worth it for me to do this for what? What are they trying to do? So, yes, there are protesters out there. There are looters. There are rioters. I wouldn't say that the rioters are not also protesters. Some of the people, like you mentioned, uh, who are jumping on cop cars and things like that, I think if I was in this situation and I was backing, I was in, hell, if it happened in my little town in, in, in Parsons, Kansas, if I was siding with these low-income uh, people, black, white, Hispanic, whoever they are, I'm not low-income myself, but I can see that there are issues with low-income people in some of these big cities. If it was happening here in my town, and I saw it, and I saw that they, what they were doing to my neighbors I would probably revolt with them. I would probably riot with them. Now, I'm not going to burn down the barber's store. I'm not going to burn down, you know, the bank. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm probably going to jump on a cop car. I'm probably going to go to City Hall and piss on the steps. I'm going to do something because they've been quiet for years and years and years and years and years, and it's not doing any good whatsoever. So, yes, they're criminals. But... Is it worth the reward for them? I would say to some of them, yes, this risk is worth the reward if something good comes out of it. And as we all know, sometimes out of the bad, like a phoenix, something good rises from that. So, yes, I think some people can use bad things to to initiate good in the future. That's all I got. Take it easy. Listen to your regular podcast. I don't disagree with anything he said. First of all, let's get it out of the way. Uh, Jeremy is the host of a show, the co-host of a show called the Eureka Podcast, like Eureka, Kansas, or Eureka, I found it. Um, And uh, if you'd like to hear more from Jeremy, that's where you'd go to hear it, Eureka Podcast. Um, I don't know that I disagree with much that he said. However, I do take a little bit of issue with the fact that looters are not protesters. He was getting a little muddled between rioters and, and looters. Right. 
where I, I would agree that some of those rioters, now I think few, because I think synergy takes over and it's like a group pack mentality takes over. And, you know, whether you're white or black or whatever, that is a real part of psychology that you get swept up in this kind of uh, violent uptake and it just happens. But with looters, I don't think that. I think that there are very few, if any, individuals who think about the risk-reward element that, that Jeremy talked about. I, I don't think that happens. Okay, I'm going to go into the CVS, and I'm going to take as many cell phones, or I'm going to take as many cases of beer, or I'm going to take whatever drugs that I can steal out of the pharmacy as much as I can, and I hope that it will initiate social change in my community. I don't think that that happens. But relative to the rioters and the criminals, because it's criminal to do that, I think there there might be a small percentage who who lo- who are looking for change based on their actions of smashing cop cars or whatever. Criminal behavior sometimes, you know, they are criminals, yeah. And I do believe that criminal behavior sometimes, and it's rare, but sometimes it is necessary to initiate change. The American Revolution, everyone who took part was a criminal. Everyone who took part was a traitor, was, was guilty of treason to the crown because they were, after all, subjects to the King of England. They were criminals. The violence that they, the, the, the Tea Party, the, the, the Boston Tea Party, where they dumped over all the tea, it would have been worth millions of dollars adjusted for inflation today. That was criminal behavior, and they did it, and it did affect change. It motivated others to take up for the cause. So where we're not very far apart on this, Jeremy, I think that you're giving too much credit to some of the 'er ne'er-do-wells, some of the hooligans. Nobody likes the word thug anymore, but some of the thugs who are uh, looting and uh, burning down buildings that aren't related to the government. That's where it was kind of confusing to me. Jeremy said, I wouldn't loot. I wouldn't burn down the barbershop, but I would go stomp on a cop car and I would go piss on the city hall steps. Right. And then he said that. So he was, you know, separating the rioters from the protesters. Which, but then at the end, yeah. he was kind of he kind of mixed them back together again and said everything was OK. It was kind of the vibe I was getting. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think that it's such an emotional issue. No one wants, especially when you're white. It's even more touchy when you're white. And Jeremy is white, who lives in a tiny town in Kansas where everyone is white. It's <laughs> it's sensitive, you know? People don't want to step on anybody's toes. No one wants to be con- perceived as a racist. Right. And, you know, I- I'm not worried about being perceived as that because I'm not a racist. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not worried about that. You know, listen, if you do bad shit and you're black, you're a bad guy. If you do bad shit, you're white, you're a bad guy. Of equal measure, you're a bad guy. I've acknowledged on this program and I'm not going to go through the, the, the litany of different reasons why I am a supporter of those who are downtrodden. I am a supporter of those who are under the thumb of those in power. I don't have to do that. You know, it's on my resume 120 episodes deep. 
Well, and he did bring a good point to the the poverty issue. And we shared that 538 article about all these statistics related to poverty in Baltimore. Yes. And if you didn't see that link, it's on the Facebook page. We posted it a couple days ago. It's also on the Twitter page a couple days ago. So you can go look for that. And that's really where the conversation needs to be focused, which is the poverty. How do we help people escape cycles of poverty? And how do we get some upward mobility here? How do we best spend taxpayer dollars to accomplish those goals? Because if you do, like I've said many times, especially since Christmas time, if you are able to affect change from the government standpoint by spending money on welfare programs, you are going to get them off of welfare. And I don't mean them as in blacks. I mean them as in welfare recipients. Get them off of welfare into some kind of education or job training program. They will get a job. They will be gainfully employed. They will be taxpayers. And then when they have children or their children that they currently have will be trapped not in a cycle of poverty and welfare dependence, but in a, in, in a pattern and a cycle of education and responsibility for themselves. And Freddie Gray was someone who was wrapped up in that cycle. The he, bad cycle. Right. He had um, He won a case... He won a settlement for lead paint poisoning. So he was living in an area where there was lead paint. Right, right. Um, His mother was a heroin addict who I believe didn't know how to read. And Freddie Gray was several grade levels behind in reading, possibly other subjects. And if he had been supported... if, if If you are behind grade levels in reading, you're most certainly behind in other every other subject. Because reading is the the crux of all other learning. So it's very sad. It's terrible. And something needs to be done. And hopefully this is a catalyst for change. But thanks, listen, thanks Todd for the call. Pee, 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 pee. And and Jeremy, of course, thank you for your, the inaugural, the inaugural um, voicemail from Jeremy from the Eureka podcast. Um, I appreciate it very, very much. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. A little bit of news. We have a new presidential candidate amongst the Democrats. Bernie Sanders, the independent senator from Vermont. The only independent senator, the only, I think, independent in the entire Congress, has thrown his hat into the ring and become the one of very, very few candidates for the presidential run on the Democratic side. He gave a very brief statement to the press to announce his candidacy, very lackluster, well, I wouldn't say lackluster, but certainly without any fanfare, he just stepped out onto the lawn of the Capitol and talked a little bit. And this is a brief snippet from that announcement. Uh, this country today in my view, has more serious crises than at any time since the Great Depression of the 1930s. For most Americans, their reality is that they're working longer hours for lower wages, in inflation-adjusted income, they're earning less money than they used to years ago, despite a huge increase in technology and productivity. So all over this country, I've been talking to people, and they say, how does it happen? I'm producing more. But I'm working longer hours for low wages. 
my kid can't afford to go to college, I'm having a hard time affording health care. How does that happen? While at exactly the same time, 99% of all new income generated in this country is going to the top 1%. How does it happen that the top 1% owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90%? And my conclusion is that that type of economics is not only immoral, it's not only wrong, it is unsustainable. It can't continue. We can't continue having a nation in which we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major nation on earth at the same time as we're seeing a proliferation of millionaires and billionaires. So that's the major issue. The major issue is how do we create an economy that works for all of our people rather than a small number of billionaires. And the second issue directly related is the fact that as a result of the disastrous Supreme Court decision on Citizens United, we now have a political situation where billionaires are literally able to buy elections and candidates. Let's not kid ourselves. That is the reality right now. So you got the Koch brothers and other billionaire families now prepared to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in elections to buy the candidates of their choice, often extreme right-wing candidates. I'm the former chairman of the Senate Veterans Committee, and I can tell you I don't believe that the many women who defended American democracy fought to create a situation where billionaires own the political process. That's a huge issue that we've got to deal with. Let me say a couple things here. One is about exactly the statement he just ended with, that he has been on the, the Veterans Committee and he doesn't think that veterans fought or that, that, that military members fought, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Why don't you keep your opinion to yourself if you didn't serve? Don't speak for millions of veterans. And what he said wasn't necessarily untrue. It just, I think it strikes a bad chord when a guy like this wants to talk about what people in the military think or don't think. You didn't serve. Keep your mouth closed. The same thing goes for Obama. The same thing goes for George W. Bush, as far as I'm concerned. Your Air National Guard service during Vietnam as a way not to go to war doesn't count. Bill Clinton, the same thing goes for him. You didn't serve. Shut your mouth about what people in the military think or don't think, feel or don't feel, serve or don't serve for. We have to go as far back as to George H.W. Bush, the president after Ronald Reagan, to find a president who actually served in the United States military. Oh, well, another plus for Hillary Clinton. Another person who didn't serve it's a joke. in the United States military. So, having said that, listen, I think Bernie Sanders is a good man. I don't think he's a charlatan. I don't think he's a liar. I don't think he's untrustworthy. Many of the qualities that Hillary Clinton is shrouded by. However, I think he's wrong on many things. And I think by demonizing the very rich, it's an issue. It bothers me a lot because, listen, Bill Gates is the wealthiest man on the planet and one of the most philanthropic, wonderful, loving human beings there is. He's given away everything he owns before he dies. He will, when he dies, his final act will be giving away 
virtually everything he earned. And his whole life has been spent trying to help people. He's developing ways to clean water, make poop water, clean water to drink. That's exactly right. I mean, he's spending his life helping other people. And he's not the only one. There are countless, countless billionaires and millionaires who who are altruistic human beings. So to demonize the rich based solely on the fact that they're rich is disingenuous. I think it's shitty. And we don't need to divide people unduly. Could we do better for middle class and poor families? Absolutely we can. But how are we going to do it? Are we going to take away from one group and give that money to another? It's Listen, you've got three couches in your house. We as the government, me as Bernie Sanders, you don't really need three couches. I'm going to take one of your couches and give it to the family down the road because they've only got a chair. They earned that couch. They bought that couch. It's their couch. You don't need to take from them. Is there an issue with wealth disparity in our country and income inequality? Yes, there is. But are we going to solve it by taking from one group and giving to another? I don't think so. The other thing... And maybe I should have gotten to this first. Is Bernie Sanders' voice, it's been bothering me. Who does this guy sound like? Uh, this country today, in my view, he, has more serious crises than any time. He's got this voice that's super familiar to me. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. For most and Americans, I put my finger on it. Their reality is that they're working. For those of you who have watched The Godfather, and there's the movie producer Waltz, who. who Robert Duvall goes to see because he wants to give Johnny Fontaine that part. Bernie Sanders Uh, this country today sounds much like this guy. She threw it all away just to make me look ridiculous. And a man in my position can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. Now you get the hell out of here. And if that goombar tries any rough stuff, you tell him I ain't no band leader. (laughs) I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it's practically the same person. Okay, it's, I don't think that's true, but I think it may have been him. Okay, who played that role? Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. And a man in my position can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. So, I think it's him. I do. Moving on to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton recently gave the keynote address at the Women in the World Summit. And she dropped some statistics relative to wage disparity between men and women that are problematic. We'll just say that. It's hard to believe that in 2015, so many women still pay a price for being mothers. It is also hard to believe that so many women are still paid less than men for the same work with even wider gaps for women of color. And if you If you doubt if you doubt what I say, look to the World Economic Forum, hardly a hotbed of feminist thought. <laughs> Their rankings show that the United States is 65th out of 142 nations and other territories on equal pay. Imagine that. 
We should be number one. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quiz. Are you ready for the quiz? You're talking to me or the audience? Everybody, maybe. Everybody can play. Okay. Okay, so I took this quiz on factcheck.org. A very reputable bipartisan site. And this is the question based on what you just heard. Hillary Clinton said the World Economic Forum ranked the United States 65th out of 142 nations and other territories on equal pay. The World Economic Forum based its ranking on what source? Okay, here are your three options. Okay. University of Michigan study, Census Bureau household survey, an opinion poll of U.S. businessmen and women. I'm going to recuse myself because I know the answer, but I can tell you this. My initial reaction prior to knowing the answer would have been the University of Michigan study. Um, that was my first choice as well. Okay. And then I went back and I selected the... Because it tells you... Eh, wrong answer. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay. The <laughs> University of Michigan study, not correct. So I went back and I selected the Census Bureau household survey. Right. Wrong. It is an opinion poll of U.S. businessmen and women. So effectively, the World Economic Council asked for the opinions of American businessmen and women about what they, what their personal feelings are about the rankings... So it's effectively like this. Here's a list of countries. We want you to rank them in the order that you think they they are ordered relative to gender inequality in, in pay. This was the question. In your country, for similar work, to what extent are wages for women equal to those of men? The participants were then asked to assign a score from one to seven, with one meaning not at all, significantly below those of men, and seven meaning fully equal to those of men. So rather than having a ranking based on actual pay disparity for similar work, this is a ranking based on a survey of business leaders' perceptions of unequal pay for doing the same work. And she's putting it out there like it's a, from Pew Research, actual data, actual statistics. It's disingenuous at the very least, and it's misleading at the worst. Well, it's actual data. It's actual statistics. It's just that it's an opinion poll based on, hey, tell me what you think is going on in your country, rather than people going out and actually let's determine where the disparity is here for similar pay, not ask people what they've heard, what they think. Right, right. Just what the thought in their head is. Yeah, it's not even anecdotal. It's just... What do you... Now, what's your opinion? So this just goes to show, you know, sometimes when you hear things that are said, right, certain statistics, kind of just wonder, hey, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, thankfully, we are here, Brittany Page. Well, and factcheck.org. And you are here. Well, but not everybody goes to factcheck.org. Well, I like to take these news quizzes because they're fun. (laughs) 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 Right. All right, well. That's good. The other thing on Hillary Clinton that we're going to get to before we move on is the fact that she is apparently more unpopular in swing states than she is popular. Right. So Quinnipiac did some polling and they asked the question, would you say that Hillary Clinton is honest and trustworthy or not? Okay. <laughs> pretty pretty cut and dry. So they did this in Colorado, Virginia, Iowa, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. 
right? Do you recognize what those states are? Swing states. Yes. Okay. So let's start with, what do you want to start with? The highest percentage that say she's trustworthy or what do you want to do? Uh, Yes. No, no. Let's start. Well, effectively, it'd be the same thing. Start with the lowest percentage of people who think she's untrustworthy. Okay. Listen to Brittany. Always trying to spin it positive. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the lowest percentage for no, Clinton is not honest and trustworthy. 46% Ohio. Okay. A very big swing state. In fact, uh, the, president of, the presidency of the United States has not been won. Let's put it this way. You have to win Ohio of for the last many many elections if you're going to win the presidency. So it's it's a critical swing state. And then the second lowest for no, Clinton is not honest and trustworthy is a tie between Pennsylvania and Iowa, both at 49%. Okay. Then we have Florida at 50%. Wow. Then Virginia at 52%. And the highest is Colorado at 56%. No, Clinton is not honest and trustworthy. 56%. Yes. In weed-smoking Colorado, that is, that's high. That's, well, here's the deal. I mean, this is interesting to talk about, but this early on in the election process, it really doesn't mean much because the Clinton campaign machine is going to put on a show that is going to razzle and dazzle the voters within the United States and within the swing states, and that poll could go from zero to 60 relative to, a, you know, a 180 change, a 180 degree change, you know, within a month. Right. So it's interesting now to talk about in all of these polls. I find polling very interesting. You know, maybe I'm alone, nerdy McNerd over here, but we'll see. We'll see how that changes over time. So. A little bit more follow-up, a little bit more to talk about relative to the Supreme Court and the gay marriage arguments. I think I want to stop calling it gay marriage and maybe marriage for gays because it's just marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear that talked about all the time and at one point I probably thought it was whiny, but it really is. It's not gay marriage. It's not straight marriage. It's just marriage from which gays are precluded. So... I'm going to make a concerted effort, and I will fail many. I'll probably fail again in this very episode of doing it. But I want to talk about marriage for gays and the different court arguments that are being put forth in the in the current, or it's just ended, but in the current cycle of litigators before the court and talking. Okay, so one of the first arguments is, are biological children the whole point of marriage? Which is a ridiculous argument. For the states defending their right to ban same-sex unions, the central question in this case has been, what is the state's interest in marriage? They argue that the only reason the state has a role in marriage is that it has an interest in creating incentives for parents to stay together and raise their biological children. I have a friend, and this is very coincidental that, that, that we're talking about this right now. I have a friend on my Facebook timeline who just posted a picture. I can't even remember who it is. I'll have to find it and show you, Brittany, because it's so sweet. Their aunt just got married, not like for, probably for the first time, but she's like 91 years old, mm-hmm. and it's her marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's so cute, so sweet, and so beautiful, but they don't have a chance in a king's fuck to have a kid because mm-hmm. they're 91 years old. Yes. 
in 200 years, we probably won't be technologically advanced enough to allow a 91-year-old woman to have a kid. Not a lot that can be done with that. Yeah. So is their marriage not valid? Is it not sacred? Is there not sanctity there because they can't have a kid? It's just a stupid argument. It's a non-starter. Right. So that was kind of how this argument was challenged. Uh, Does that mean that a 55-year-old woman should not be allowed to marry because she can no longer bear children? Are adoptive families somehow inferior? What of the couples who can't or don't want to have children? And don't these incentives often fail, leaving moms and dads to walk away from their spouses and children? So obviously the argument is ridiculous because you have all those scenarios. That's right. Where not really working, right? Well, what's great about it is I've heard audio. I listened to a lot of audio this week from the arguments in the court. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is old, and I mean, she's she's probably the next to go leaving the court to, to move on into retirement because she is frail. And even vocally, it's it's obvious she's she's frail. And she asked, so like, you know, a 70-year-old? Like, no good? Like, what's up? <laughs> and, you know, the the the... The counselor for that side, um, for the respondents, are put in a very awkward position to try to argue when she's so personally connected to the issue because she's old, and so her marriage would be worthless because she can't have kids. Right. You know, it's it's good. Okay, so another argument that was brought forth, why didn't the ancient Greeks have same-sex marriage? <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? Justice Samuel A. Alito Jr., through the attorney representing gay couples challenging states' bans for a loop early in the proceedings when he asked her about ancient Greeks' approach to homosexual relationships, even quizzing her on Plato's views of such relationships. The point he was trying to make was that there must have been some rational reason, besides prejudice, that societies have for thousands of years defined marriage as exclusively between a man and a woman. The ancient Greeks were permissive, to some degree, of homosexual relationships, and yet they did not condone same sex marriage alito said wow and of course she responded um i can't speak to what was happening with the ancient philosophers their guy right well here's the interesting thing about that argument is thousands of years ago even when the greeks were around you had biblical marriage where a man could be married to many 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 hundreds of women And then could also take something that wasn't considered a wife, but was considered a concubine or a mistress and have hundreds of them. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Let me paint a picture here. When Brittany said nice, she wasn't even looking at me. She was looking down at her iPhone. (laughs) And I think it was almost just placating. Mm, Yeah. Nice. (laughs) So... So biblical marriage, traditional marriage, hasn't always been between a man and a woman. It's ridiculous. In the Bible, there is a scripture, Deuteronomy 22, 28, and 29. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman, for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as he lives. And this is the Bible. So obviously they're putting it in the perspective of the man. But let me reread that. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married 
and he rapes her, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver and she must marry her rapist because he violated her and she can never divorce him as long as she lives. That's really the way it should be read. That right there, folks, is traditional marriage, according to conservatives. These right-wing, anti-gay hate groups, that is what traditional marriage is. That's traditional. That goes back thousands of years. That's the Old Testament. That's Deuteronomy. Well, it's traditional and biblical. Right. So when, when, when I see people say, well, I believe in the biblical definition of marriage, well, there's several. You have the First Kings eleven three Solomon seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Right. You have the you have the one biblical. you just referenced. So, which one of the biblical marriages are you referring to? Right. So, listen, that whole argument before the Supreme Court is another one that's completely bullshit. Okay, so another one we have uh, polygamy, miscegenation, incest, and child brides. All of these were were brought forth. Proponents of a national right to same-sex marriage have argued over and over that the answer to the question of who decides about marriage is simple. People decide whom they want to marry, not the government or anyone else. But the justices tested this contention by bringing up consensual forms of marriage that are limited or banned, such as marriage between blood relatives, marriage that involves minors, and plural marriage. Okay. Some well, of the conservative justices asked, would rules governing these factors also come into question if states are forced to allow same-sex couples to marry? Well, let's address those one by one. What was the first one? Rel blood relatives? Marriage between blood relatives. There is an incentive for the state to not allow those types of marriage, especially close blood relatives like brother and sister, because of the genetic abnormalities that happen with their offspring. Did so it would cloud the gene pool. It would be a problem. Obviously, there is there is a, a reason, a justification for that. Right. And it is interesting because there are some variations with that. Like in California, you can marry your first cousin. <laughs> yeah. I know. Your first cousin Listen, in California. They make jokes about West Virginia. They make <laughs> jokes about Alabama. They make jokes about Florida. But in California, you literally today, right now, May 3rd, 2015 can marry your first cousin legally. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. So all those other states are okay. California is where the cousin fuckers are. You know what I mean? Uh, no. You don't? I don't. Should I play the, uh, the old uh, <laughs> get it ready? I'll just get it ready. Oh, God. Okay, so so next up, what was the other one? It was, there was uh, blood relatives, second one. Marriage that involves minors. And I, th I think this is referring to uh, New Hampshire allows girls as young as 13 and boys as young as 14 to marry with parental consent, while others peg the age at closer to 15 or 16. I disagree with that. I think 18 should be the age. If you can't join the military until you're 18, if you can't sign a contract until you're 18, if you can't buy a house or a car until you're 18, then you should not be able to enter into matrimony into marriage with another human being because that is also a contract. Yeah. You sign a formal government contract that the government issues. They give you your marriage license. What is New Hampshire doing allowing I, girls to marry as young as hey, 13? Live free or die, baby. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's 
crazy to me. So the liberal justices were more inclined to bring up the anti-miscegenation laws, which are interracial marriage laws. Right. Which barred or limited interracial marriages. I'm reading the article and I already said that. Um, (laughs) These laws were invalidated after the famous 1967 Loving versus Virginia ruling, which has been cited as precedent by same-sex marriage supporters. Okay, and then they also brought up the polygamy issue. Which, believe it or not, and I don't know if we've talked about... I think we have talked about this on the program. Yeah, because remember, Big Love changed my mind. The documentary Big Love. That's right. Um, Listen, I don't have a problem with polygamy. I don't. If you're not leeching off the government and trying to make it a payday because you have all these wives and all these kids, I don't have a problem. If Consenting adults. That's exactly right. That's what it boils down to. If, that aren't related. <laughs> but it also goes the other way. If six dudes want to marry one woman, who the fuck am I to say that that's wrong? If it works for them and they consent and it's no one's being abused, then right on. I don't have a problem with it. And no one else should because it's none of your goddamn business. It might be weird. When is that against the law? We're going to have to change the structure of the show today because we're going to have to toss you in for taking care of biz, I think. Because you're talking in a way where you are taking (laughs) care of biz. We don't have a taking care of biz today, Brittany. Yeah, we don't. Or maybe maybe we do right now. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. (laughs) All right, listen. So that's it. They're ridiculous arguments that should be given no credence. And finally, they've gotten their day in court. We'll see. I mean, we're going to see the late late June is when we're supposed to hear back from the court and have their decision. And I really do predict, even though many things go down on a 5-4 vote, I mean, obviously Scalia will be a dissenter if it goes our way. We'll see. Um, and it even sounds like Alito, who's also a George W. Bush appointee. I, I don't know. I, I really, I mean, I, I hope against hope. That it's going to happen and come down for gay marriage to be legal. But uh, I don't know. We'll know by the end of June. We will know. And you know what? I'm curious to hear from Alexander since he loves to write in and tell us about stuff. Um, no, we love him to write in and tell us about stuff. Isn't that what I said? You said because he loves to write okay, in. Okay, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I want to hear from him to see... Um, do they have, can you marry your first cousin where he is? Oh, the, the age, like consent laws. Yeah. And, I'd and, be curious yeah. to know yeah. what, what all, what the breakdown is there. Yeah. Denmark is a very permissive society, a very liberal society. So it, it would be interesting to know because listen, in another hundred years, we're all going to be Denmark anyway, because they've led the charge relative to all of this social change. Oh, I can't wait. I, they have good pastries, <laughs> don't they? Good baked goods. I'm sure they do. Uh, I'm sure he could. Also answer that. Yeah, include that and maybe some pictures too. (laughs) I love baked goods. (laughs) If you would like to go the way of Alexander from Denmark and email us, you can do that at idoubted at dollamore.com. If you're a domestic customer of the show. Yeah, if you live in New Hampshire, tell me what the hell's going on with those laws. Cousin fuckers. Okay, no. Oh, that's us. wrong with you? The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollamore are solely those of Jesse Dollamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Yeah, she is. So, 
we're going to move on. A Kentucky judge, we talked about a little bit about this last week, or at least prepped the story last week. A Kentucky judge has ruled that a t-shirt company has the right to not print certain messages for gay pride parades. There were new developments today in another gay rights issue, this one in Lexington. A Fayette County judge ruled in favor of a Lexington business that refused to print t-shirts for the city's gay pride festival. Hands-on Originals cited its Christian beliefs as the reason for not printing the t-shirts, and the judge ruled the business had the right to do that. But as Monique Blair tells us, this issue isn't over yet. Lexington's Fairness Ordinance. Essentially, under our local law, you cannot refuse service to anyone based on a protected category, in this case, sexual orientation. Last year, Lexington's Human Rights Commission declared the t-shirt printing company Hands-On Originals violated that ordinance, but the t-shirt company quickly appealed. Its attorneys saying the company was utilizing its right to religious freedom. On Monday, a judge reversed the Human Rights Commission declaration. This ruling brought down today says Hands-On Originals didn't print the t-shirts because of the message advocating sexual activity outside the marriage between one man and one woman. But Human Rights Commission Executive Director Raymond Sexton believes there was more to it. He says if this was all about the message on the shirt, Hands-On Originals would have rejected the gay and lesbian service organization's order from the beginning. It was not. It wasn't until they found out who the group was and what the members consisted of, that's when they decided to reject their business. Hands-On Originals owner Blaine Adamson's attorney Jim Campbell released a statement today saying in part, the court rightly recognized that the law protects Blaine's decision not to print shirts with messages that conflict with his beliefs and that no sufficient reason exists for the government to coerce Blaine to act against his conscience in this way. In Lexington, Monique Blair, WKYT. Lexington's Human Rights Commission met tonight and tells us if the Gay and Lesbian Services Organization wants them to, that the commission will appeal today's ruling. Here's my thing on this, and you might be surprised, but I'm okay with this ruling. And here's why. It's because it's a message. If you're a cake company, and I'm A-OK Cakes, Jesse's A-OK Cakes. Wow, please do not ever open a bake shop. And someone comes in. And they want me to say blacks suck or or put a giant swastika on a cake. Yeah, or something terrible. I'm going to say no, because that is also me advertising for my business. And I don't want my business associated with those messages. That would those, be a bad sit. Those messages. If it was just flowers and some Nazi group came and they wanted me to to. Uh, to cater a, a Nazi wedding with my flowers or with my pizza, <laughs> like Memories Pizza, then I would say, yeah, you know, if, right on. I'm just, it's just pizza there. It's not me average. I'm not going to have a my product with a message on it. I don't know. I, I just, I feel it's different. Well, I think you lost your, your train of thought there for a second because, how so? Well, the messaging is the issue for you. It so is. It is. It's all about, uh, giving the product is fine because even the advertising of the business isn't an issue, but it's it's writing the message on there, which which makes it different. Right. And that's what we took issue with Joshua Furstein when he called the bakery. God. Right. When he called the bakery and said, hi, I want a cake and I want it to say I do not support gay marriage. Right. And they were like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because right. it says a message on it. L listen, 
think about this for those of you who are liberal and think, oh, it's so wonderful, and that this t-shirt company is hateful, and they might be hateful, but there's no law against hating people. There, it's just not. If if they went to you, if you owned a company that that provided flowers or t-shirts or whatever, and they wanted you to have a pizza that was formed into the word nigger, no one. No one would, would, would be expected to do that because that is hateful and terrible. No one. So think about that. Brittany's very uncomfortable. The only reason I did that is because it's the most hateful thing I can think of. It's terrible. No one would agree that a t-shirt company should be forced to print that word. And this, anyway, this is one of those situations where... um. The people now get to choose whether or not they want to frequent this business. That's right. Based on what they now know about this business. That's right. So if you live in this area... Don't go to hands-on originals. Right. You you don't want to go there because you don't want to support a business that is unwilling to make gay pride parade well, here's, t-shirts. Here's the other thing. We didn't see the design. We don't know what the message was on the t-shirt. But ultimately, listen, if I have a business, I don't want to be forced to... Ha- be forced to participate in hate language. I don't. Well, and and so people that are listening are not going to appreciate you saying that because in in many people's perception, of course, rightly so, a gay pride t-shirt is not hate speech. So what you're saying is just a message that you as a business owner wouldn't want to print on your product and have it be something have that... Have it be tied to your business. Right. This is why, like, people that are on Twitter, they put in their bio, these are my views only. They do not represent the business I work for. Right, right. Because you are separating yourself and, and the messages that you're writing from where you work. Right. Because it will make your company look bad. Or you will be representing the company in a way they don't want to be represented. Sure, sure. And, and it's, the, it's right. a similar kind of thing, right? right? Or am I being wrong? No, no, no. It's, you're, you're right on track. It's, listen, it's a sensitive thing. It's not a cut and dry yes or no. It's a case by case in, in some ways. But this is a situation, I just, I think the court did a good job. I think maybe their reasoning was off the way that they just, the judge leveled it, described it. Um, but I don't have a problem with it. Because first of all, if I'm a gay organization, and I'm not a gay organization, but if I'm a gay organization, I don't want to give business to fucking bigots. You know what I mean? I'd rather go to gay-friendly organizations. Well, and think of it this way. So if a if a homosexual couple was running a t-shirt shop and someone came in, you know, uh, the tea party, some tea party members came in sure. and they wanted to make a shirt that had some anti-gay language on it or some anti-gay picture on it, that business should be able to say no i'm not going to print a message that is against me on my t-shirt on my product you can go somewhere else but if you just want regular t-shirts or you want a happy face on your t-shirt i'll print you some t-shirts because i don't care about serving someone that believes differently from me it's about the message that's on the t-shirt that's exactly right and and no one has happy face t-shirts anymore so i don't (laughs) i'm like thinking of forrest gump Gump. yeah right (laughs) So we're going to wrap up the gay news. News. Maybe we need like a gay promo. 
Yeah, can you just record me saying news and then just play it every time? Because I'm getting real sick of having to remember to do it. A North Dakota state representative who apparently is rabidly anti-gay and promotes anti-gay legislation at a breakneck pace is, well, apparently kind of a big fan of Grinder. Yes. <laughs> Dustin Smith is an out and proud gay man, quote, unquote. And this is not the the state representative. This no. is another dude. Yes. This man is living in North Dakota, one of America's most conservative states. It must be a bummer to be gay in a place like Oklahoma or North Dakota. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's terrible. So the 21-year-old Dustin Smith wasn't exactly surprised when he read that state legislators had refused to outlaw discrimination against gays. Quote, these are the members of the House who voted against legal protections. What surprised Smith was that he knew one of them, somewhat intimately, it turns out. Quote, I'm sure I've talked to this person before, Smith remembers thinking to himself. Suddenly it dawned on me. I think I've seen this guy on Grindr. (laughs) Smith's... Smith started going through his conversations on Grindr, a quote, an all-male location-based social network, searching for the round, bespeckled face and bushy eyebrows. And there he was, top man, exclamation point. <laughs> top man. A.K.A. Randy Boining, the Republican state representative from Fargo. Wow. Scrolling through the conversation, Smith found more than sexually suggestive messages. He found an unsolicited picture an unsolicited picture of the public servants and not so public parts. Wow. Yeah. Listen, this is, I mean, this happens all the time. Top man exclamation point. I, why is, I should have been like top man 69 everybody. <laughs> but it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I mean, one, I feel very bad for this guy. Right. Truth he's, wiener. He's a truth wiener. He's, he's super, he is super repressed and he's not able to be who he is which is a gay man however where i pull back that sympathy is when he actively uses his power as an elected representative to oppress gays because he himself is repressed he himself is not strong enough to make the decision to come out he is using his power as an elected representative to keep subjugating and oppressing the gay population that he represents. And that's terrible. So fuck him. I'm glad that this happened. I'm glad. So since this happened, he has been plunged into an existential crisis. He admitted that he was gay. And his grinder bio reads, Seems I haven't found Mr. Right yet, so need to keep looking for and having fun on the way. Hit me up, boys. Is he still in office? It doesn't say. <laughs> Right wow, now. wow. So he's if he is still in office, now he's uh he's a good time guy and he's in office. Yes. Well, you know what? We got to look more into this. I'm going to find out. I'm going to look at local papers and find out what's going on because this is very very interesting to me. The same thing happened a few years ago in Idaho. Um, a family that I know very well, the, the, the family of Senator Larry Craig was arrested in a Minneapolis uh, bathroom a Minneapolis airport bathroom while trying to solicit sex from an undercover officer. And it was, you know, a a, a giant goings on the toe tapping and all the thing. And I, I, I do, I have empathy for these individuals. However, when you use your power, it's, you know, you, you, you strip away a lot of that empathy. So 
All right, good news, everybody. Listen to this, and we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon. We have been asking for a long time for a promo for when we talk about Pew Research, and we finally got one. You want to hear it, Brittany? I really, really do. Pew, 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 pew. That is perfection. Perfect. Seriously, it couldn't be any better. Pew, 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 pew. My friends, Sable and Dave, over at the Indispensable Thursday Show, a great podcast. It's like you're having beer with a couple buddies. This show took some time out of their busy schedule and made the greatest promo in the history of promos for this segment. So without further ado, pew 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 pew. pew. Okay, so on this edition of pew pew, we <laughs> we did, did they inadvertently name the segment as well? Well, we were doing that oh, for a while. Pew? Yeah. Okay, so a new analysis of long-term trends in party affiliation among the public provides a detailed portrait of where the parties stand among various groups in the population. That is a lot of P's. That's pew, 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 pew. And then party, participation. Public portrait, population, parties. Okay. (laughs) It draws on more than 25,000 interviews conducted by Pew Research Center in 2014. So a wide array of respondents. 25,000. Okay, so... These are the groups that consistently tilt Republican, okay? And I'm going to start from the highest percentage that consistently tilts Republican. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Quiz me. Or is that going to take too much time since we're running out here? Okay, yeah, just what are you go trying ahead. to do? Okay. Just go ahead. Okay, so... Mormon, the- Mormons, Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the number one group yes! that consistently tilts Republican. Ding, 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 ding. Then you have white evangelical Protestants. Not a shock. White Southerners. White men, some college or less. Some college or less. <laughs> then you have white, just white. Um, then you have the silent generation, which are the old people, 69 to 86 years old. Apparently silent because they're so old they can't form words. All right. All right, so, let's go on the other side, the wrong side, you know, the liberal, no, crazy Democrat no. side. Groups that tilt Democratic, starting from the most consistent group that leans okay. Democratic. Communists. Black. Pinkos. Black is the first group. <laughs> then you have then you have Asian. Then you have the religiously unaffiliated. Asian, second, really? Yes. Huh, wow, okay. Then religiously unaffiliated, not mm-hmm. a shocker. Then postgraduate women. Okay. Educated. Jewish. Not a shock. Hispanic. Um, more shocking because Hispanics are, are traditionally, or not traditionally, they are largely Catholic. And the millennial generation, 18 to 33. Not surprising. So basically what this means is in the groups that tilt Republican, you have white people. And in the groups that tilt Democratic, you have everyone else. People of color and educated. Yes. Huh. In the Democratic group. And then just white, just a lot of, it's white evangelical, white southerner, white men, some college or less, and then just white. Yeah, just regular old, nothing else, no other identifier, fucking white. And of course, we know the Mormons are mostly white. Of course, not just white, 
they're the whitest. They're the kind of white that Hitler had wet dreams about. They are light and delightsome, or listen, white and delightsome. That's right, white and delightsome. Yes. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that... That's from the Book of Mormon, by the way. We're not just like saying that. Oh, the, oh yeah, you better say that. <laughs> We have weird we have weird intimacy with the Book of Mormon, so we understand what she said was a quote out of out of the Book of Mormon about someone being pure and being white and delightsome. Mm-hmm. Where traditionally and historically in the Mormon faith, up until 1978, blacks were not allowed into the priesthood, and the darker your skin was the more evil the spirit that got your body. So anyway, <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's very interesting information from Pew. Pew, 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 Pew. All right. In the spirit, as we always do, we want to leave you with a smile on your face. I want to bring you into our world. Brittany and I this last week have dedicated ourselves to something that has made us extremely happy. It's kind of like those videos that you see when a when a soldier comes back and surprises his family and there's this emotional upheaval and just loving tears that flow. This is kind of like that except it's laughter. I don't know how it would be possible to not find yourself smiling or laughing out loud at listening to babies laugh. And we have been watching the shit out of some babies laughing. Here is here is some audio of a little baby girl who is laughing hysterically <laughs> at a dog eating popcorn. So there are a few things more beautiful, hilarious, just amazing than hearing that baby laugh. It sounds like an adult human's laugh. And it's a baby who is just old enough to sit up on their own. This isn't a baby who can walk. This is a baby who is a fucking baby. Yeah. It's it's gums are poking out yeah, while like, it laughs. Like it's may- hilarious. Maybe a tooth. Yeah. It might have a tooth in its head. Uh, just fucking beautiful. It just makes your day. It's so good. Yeah. So we hope that that gets you going for your day. If you're if you're the type of listener who listens to the entire show in the morning, then hopefully this made the rest of your day awesome. And if you're the type who listens to the second half of the show on the way home, hey, we hope that we help your evening be something wonderful. We're going to wrap it up. We love you for listening. We treasure 
every single one of you, every single listener who spends any time listening to us during the week, whether it be one episode a week or two episodes a week, we appreciate your dedication and your participation in moving the conversation forward. If you would like to support the show, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page there. There's an Amazon search bar where you can buy books and items that you're going to buy. If, if you're going to spend your money there anyway, we're not asking you to shop at Amazon, but if you're going to do it anyway, why not help out your favorite show filled with news and... News. And ridiculous comment. There's also Patreon.com. Brittany and I are thinking about doing a video to try to ex- to maybe explain how Patreon works a little better. But if you'd like to support the show with spare change, setting a monthly maximum so you don't go over your budget to support the show, you can do that too. We would very much appreciate it. It's there. Patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We love you, we appreciate you, and for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. This has once again been I Doubt It. A man in my position can't afford to be made to look ridiculous.